started. Welcome to Calling Shots. Uh, first of all, before I start, I want to give a, a shout out to Isaac Humphreys and Melbourne United. Uh, go check out that on Twitter if you can, if if you can, if Twitter still exists. Uh, I'm joined today by uh, uh, repeat guests, my good friend Corey Jez, who um, formerly of the Utah Jazz, uh, formerly of Austin FC, but now has one of the more unique roles in sports analytics. Uh, I'm not even sure what the what the title is, Corey. What, what how would you describe what you're doing now, at least on the on the public side? Um, yes, yeah, I I would say first time, long time, but I guess it's second time, long time. Uh, I would my title is on air analytics insider for the Portland Trailblazers. Um, definitely a made up title in the sense that I made it up, and then they said that sounded okay. So. Um, but, you know, I have to give credit to um, some of the folks at Portland who came up with this idea, you know, presumably over the summer <clears throat> before I got involved in, and said that they wanted to do something and add a layer to their broadcast um, from a, an analytics, a data technology perspective to try to help their fans understand what teams are doing um, with numbers, with data, the, the stuff that you and I probably – hopefully don't take for granted, but have the privilege to talk and think about all the time. Um, you know, not every fan has that same privilege. And so they wanted to bring that to their fans um, in Portland. So with going all the way up to Jody Allen um, and members of management, Jeff Curtin, their director of broadcasting, they kind of put in place um, this space to have someone on their, on their broadcast this year um, who, who can talk about that. So I've been, you know, very lucky to be what 12, 12, 13, 14. I'm, I lose count already. Number of <laughs> games we are in. Um, but it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been really exciting and, and generally uh, really good feedback from the Blazers uh, from Rip City as well. So just to be clear up front, we're not actually going to talk about the, the, the Blazers on the court. Um, part, part of this role is, is Corey is employed by the, the trailblazers. And so that, would obviously put him in an awkward position. So I'm more interested in talking about, because this is a, a thing that I think is coming. Uh, baseball has been doing kind of the stat cast for years. Um, different, you know, broadcasts in the NBA have, have started incorporating a little bit more metrics, whether that's, that's, you know, in Milwaukee, I would certainly prep the uh, prep our broadcast team with, with some nuggets uh, prior to games. Um, you know, Allison Lucan on the on the Seattle Kraken broadcasts, um, and so on and so forth. So this is a, this is a role that is probably you're the first, but I would imagine not the last. Um, if I'm the, if I'm the last, I I did something <laughs> probably really wrong. Yeah, I'll blame you if 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 you're yeah, the no, last. Yeah, if I'm the last, it's definitely my fault. So just from a from a, a you know on air content perspective, for someone who hasn't seen one of the the Blazers, and if you have League Pass, you can always choose you know which stream to watch. And if you um, like what take, take me through the, the things that happen on a broadcast that, that you're involved in. Sure. So one of the things that's unique and, and maybe a little bit of important context here is that the, the, every team has usually one of two paradigms with their team broadcast. It's either owned and licensed and distributed by their regional sports network, their RSN, or it's owned and then licensed out and distributed out by the team themselves. And in this case, um, Portland owns their broadcast. 
and uh, they distribute it out via Root Sports Northwest, their RSN. So that's where folks who live in Oregon and, and Washington State and I think maybe parts of Idaho um, can tune in on linear channels. But then obviously, as you mentioned, League Pass as well as um, they carry both home and away broadcast on there. Um, so that gives that, that's what's given Portland a lot of the autonomy to put new things like this in, which has been obviously great. Um, what it looks like from a content perspective is um, doing stuff in the pregame show, the halftime show, and the postgame show, which unfortunately I believe uh, is not really available for League Pass. So that's more the 30 minutes pre, uh, the little bit of time you see at halftime. Although I would say at halftime I'd rather watch Red Panda or the uh, the basketball Chihuahua than watch me anyways. But um, And then the postgame show as well, definitely on the RSN. Um, I think maybe with one of the League Pass premium add-ons, you get some of that content, but I'm, I'm honestly not certain. Um, so I have hits in each of those, um, in each of those shows. Um, so the, the nice thing about those hits is they are, they are longer form and they're not constrained with the action going on on the court as well. Um, so two to three minutes generally, I'm able to have some back and forth with our, our studio hosts. Um, uh, we have a different set of studio hosts for home games and away games who are, who've all been awesome and helped me get up to speed certainly. So, um, so that's kind of what you get on the RSN side. It, for the folks who have watched Blazers games on League Pass, it is more um, in-game hits. Um, we, we schedule um, coming back from a, a timeout in the first quarter, a timeout in the third quarter, kind of have scheduled uh, penciled in times when I'm going to jump in and talk about, you know, usually in the first quarter, a little bit of what we were planning to see and how it's played out early in the game, and same thing coming at a halftime in the third quarter. Um, and then from there, it's reactionary a little bit, you know, things like coaches' challenges or two-for-ones or, you know, a good example of what we thought we were going to see. Um, certainly Kevin Calabro and Lamar Hurd, the uh, play-by-play and analyst uh, for Portland you know, been doing this for a long time and they're, and they're two of the best at it. And so a lot of times it's just, uh, I can add some numbers and add some, um, uh, some context quantitatively to the, the actions that they're talking about on the floor. So there's a lot of different ways to go with this. The first is, um, really there's, there's, there's a fair amount of prep that goes into each game because, um, uh, I, I don't know if, if, if people don't know, but, uh, um, the, 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 the stats and metrics don't, do not just appear out of thin air. There's oftentimes some work that goes into actually, you know, coming up with something interesting to say. Um, so, you know, you've, you've, you've done, you know, pregame reporting for, uh, internally for, for, you know, multiple teams and multiple sports. How does the level of prep compare? Yeah, it's, um, it, it, there unfortunately is prep. There's no Wingardium Leviosa to just make graphics appear. Um, th- there's a lot of hardworking people. I, I, I definitely have a newfound appreciation for production crews, graphics producers, and, and, and folks of that sort. You know, I don't think even working in front offices like you and I had in previous lives, Seth, I don't think I had an appreciation for just how much and how many people there were putting that stuff together. Um, and so for the difference, I would say for me, you know, from a, when you're internal with a team with a, you know, working with a coaching staff, either on a specific game or on, you know, their general game models, um, you are trying to be as precise as possible, uh, while being real, you know, 
you tend to get very in the weeds um, in the way you define things, in the way you account for covariates, um, in the way you are looking at. Uh, you probably a never said situation. the word covariates, though. I'll just uh, that's probably not a word you used then or now. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, you've heard <laughs> Quinn, you've heard Quinn Snyder. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's true. Um, but you know, you you were not. You, you wanted a concise message, obviously. And if you're depending, it depended on the context of the conversation. If you're, um, you have 15 minutes before a game and you're talking with someone kind of quickly and they had a quick question, your answer has got to be pretty concise. If you're, you know, on the airplane on a flight back and you can kind of just kick around ideas, you can be a little more detailed. Um, but, uh, Juxtapose that with, you know, for a, a TV hit, you have, you know, you have 120 to 180 to maybe at most 240 seconds to tell your whole story. And uh, and I've definitely been guilty of this a couple times so far. If, if you get towards the end of that, you're going to have someone in your ear saying, wrap it up, wrap it up, let's go. And they got a commercial they got to get to. And so it's... It's less about being as precise as humanly possible, but more about talking about the trend and the story and, and mapping it back to the basketball in this case um, by giving the hopefully the appropriate numbers that do that, if that makes sense. It does. Um, and it does. It seems like there's two sort of the two very different things you're doing. Um, um, it, you know, the certainly the, the pregame and maybe even first quarter hits it seems like uh you there's there's almost a little more creativity in preparation possible whereas the 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 rest of the game is a little more on your feet what can i come up with and you know deliver with some some degree of concision yeah absolutely i mean we we have portland tonight at home uh you know i live in the central time zone so the game won't start till nine o'clock for me uh, we, I say we have Portland. We have San Antonio tonight. We are Portland. Um, we have San Antonio tonight, uh, uh, but it's a, it's a game that tips at nine o'clock for me. But I, you know, I have a Google Doc. It's about it's got a page full of notes, and that's my pregame and um, and my first quarter hit and the graphics and and things that I can you know share with people and they'll know what I'm going to talk about. Um, and those those are you know the first seven, eight games of the year, we did almost an education series um, where each night we explained a different one of the four factors. We explained, you know, offensive rating and defensive rating. We explained what optical tracking data was and what second spectrum was um, to really lay the groundwork for, for the things that we were going to be showing all year for our fans. Now, did our best to try tie it into each opponent each night as well, not just talk about offensive rebound rate in a vacuum. But, uh so we did that, um, and, and so yeah, there's definitely a little more freedom, a little more time to come up with unique, interesting graphics. Um, I think I'm the first person to ever put a Matplotlib bar chart on a basketball uh, broadcast. So you know, throw that on my CV somewhere. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, in game it is, it's quick. Um, you know, it's me getting to know the flow of a hit, even. And how concise I have to be because I think ideally, you know, the ideal interaction is not me talking for 30 or 45 seconds. It's me giving a quick thing and then 
letting Kevin and Lamar ask a question or at least be able to tie it back to the, you know, kind of the narrative or the, the point that where the game is going. Does that have any analog to kind of the team side work? Because even just describing it that way, which makes a lot of sense, the thing that, that comes most to mind is draft prep. Um, you know, and it's like depending on how you, how the uh, how the room works, I mean, at some point it's like, okay, analytics, what do we think of this guy? And you don't want a monologue; you want to start a discussion. That's a it's a really good way to put it. It's a really good way to put it, Seth. If you if somebody asks what you think about player X in a draft room and you start talking about how you did a random forest model versus a logistic regression model to get to your model output, you're not going to get anywhere very fast, right? Uh, But if you can talk about maybe what are the basketball attributes that the model picked up on and why it likes or dislikes a player, and you can do that in 60 or 90 seconds, and then you can start getting the room talking about those attributes of the player, uh, you might, you know, move the conversation forward in a meaningful way. Um, and so I, I think it's, it's a good analog, like you said, to, uh, to doing it in, in game. And I think the challenge being that I certainly find myself being probably a little too verbose because I want people to understand why we're looking at rim attempt rate without just, you know, we just say, Hey, you know, the Spurs, you know, our 29th in defensive rim attempt rate. And that, that bodes well for Portland. Why? You know, I, I, I do feel, you know, that, that added layer of, you know, hey, that's a, that, you know, that's a metric that stabilizes a little quicker than field goal percentage. And it means that you know, it might be a sign of bad point of attack defense or whatever the, you know, metric we're talking about is. Um, how, do you, how do you cut all that together quickly, um, you know, for for me, for a guy who's never had to uh, to do this professionally before either. I mean, that, it seems like that there's a there's several axes on which it's a, a crash course for you. In in those terms, I mean, uh, you know, you uh, you you have done uh, media before, but you haven't like done media before, really. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, I did, I, I guess I don't hate the sound of my own voice in that. You know, I've never been too afraid to get up at a conference or in front of a room of, you know, scouts or, or whatever the professional context may be. Uh, it's actually different sitting in an empty room looking at a camera, I would say. Um, I'm really looking forward to and probably harder in some ways because there is, you know, you've spoken at, you know, a number of conferences and things and obviously internally in large meetings there's an energy in that room that you can just feed off of and, you know, you kind of, you know, when to maybe make a joke or you can kind of, you know, time the room and you can time your, your stuff. Um, Do you imagine the camera naked? Yeah. Yeah. The camera, (laughs) the camera, I took the camera's uh, suit and tie off, but um, it, it, you know, it's, it, it is an added layer of challenge. And like you said, there's, there's a lot of learnings for me, you know, not just how a broadcast runs, but how, you know, what level of energy do I need to have to match Kevin and Lamar or our studio crew? Um, you know, if it's post game and you know, we have hit a couple buzzer beaters this year and the energy in those post game shows is a lot higher. Um, you know, the energy in a game in a loud arena is a lot higher and, you know, I can hear it in my headset, but I can't, you know, I'm not sitting next to those guys to, to feel it either. So there's definitely, um, 
stuff that is totally beyond uh, saying the right number um, to, to make it a quality product. And to draw it back to what you said earlier, you know, you can sit in a meeting in a professional setting and say the right thing, but if not said in the right, with the right timing and the right context and the right cadence and the right intonation and the right, all those things, right. The, the nonverbal part of verbal communication a little bit, you know, your point could be taken differently or not be taken as well. So you have the, you have the ability to, to prep kind of the, the, the first part. What are you, I mean, Again, the, the, there's the, the, almost an unlimited amount of, of things that you could you could look at over the course of the game. I imagine you have some kind of of a tool that you've you've got working, or at least you know a, a set of tabs or something open, so that you 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 have things that you're looking at. Um, you know, without asking you to give away you know proprietary IP, uh, like what is your like what is your setup in that terms in terms of of as the game goes, these are this is how I'm picking out the things I want to look at, the things I want to I might want to talk about later. Yeah, um, I mean, the first and 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 probably the best one to talk about because it's it's decidedly not proprietary um, is uh, cleaning the glass, and and you can't talk can't have too much of a discussion of basketball analytics and public tools without talking about. Uh, ben Falk um, and, and the really great product that he's built. And I don't know how much people leverage his live stuff, um, but as someone who's built a similar tool internally to team, it's, it's really great in that it's, you know, it's not overly latent. Um, you know, it's usually no more than 20 or 30 seconds behind. Um, so if you're coming back from a timeout, you've got up to date numbers. Um, but it gives, you know, it gives me a really quick look at the context. And I think the thing I always want to do for the fans is, you know, if a number is X, why does that matter? And what's the context to it? And, um, you know, if Portland's half court defense is, has been holding their opponents to a 75 O rating. Okay. That's sounds good. You know, you and I know that's good, but you know, that, that would be the lowest O rating of any half court that Portland, you know, any half court defense in any game Portland's had this year, right. Is, is a little more helpful context. Um, and they're doing it by not letting the opponent get to the rim or whatever it might be. So, so cleaning the glass, you know, for, I'm going to imagine if folks are listening to Seth part now and Colin, that they've probably found themselves on cleaning the glass once or twice before, but and if you haven't, why not go subscribe, give Ben money. Yeah, he does great work. Yeah. Ben Ben's awesome, um, and it's it's criminally inexpensive, probably as well for for all the things that it does. But um, so the, that's that's the first one. Um, you know, the, the the second one that is um, decidedly more proprietary is um, we, um, one of the part of this initiative with Portland um, was they are also the first broadcast group to go and sign a deal with Second Spectrum. Uh, independent of their front office or, or broader basketball operations department. Um, and so that'll manifest itself in a couple of ways. But one is that um, I do have access to their internal tooling that is kind of walled off from the greater public and does have a, a, a lot of live components to it. So you get to, you get to mainline the good stuff again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so just to give con- a little bit of context for folks, it's, um, 
second spectrum is the tracking provider of, of the league. And so, you know, augmented the, the type of stuff you see in a box score, but with things that you could only know from tracking or really, really detailed charting type of data, which is like every jumper, whether or not it's catch and shoot or off the dribble, um, every jumper, whether or not it's contested or not, um, you know, how much zone defense is being played, um, things like that, you know, uh, half court matchups, um, another good one, um, you know, who, who is defending who in a half court set and, and what happens on, on those possessions and those types of things. That is, um, a lot of times I will, I will see something on cleaning the glass and say, oh, wow, so, and so, you know, this team's not getting the rim. This team's making a ton of threes. And then I, I'll go a level deeper inside second spectrum and say, is there something here of, you know, are we giving up a ton of catch and shoots? Are we giving up a ton of uncontested? Are we, you know, is it all in transition or whatever it might be? I think there's there, there just the, to belabor a point that I like to belabor because I am a point belaborer. Um, what you're describing, any of those things you could, with some practice, you could probably track during a game, and but you just don't know which of them is going to be interesting on any given night. And so much of it's some of a lot of the misconception of what you know the field is is thinking it's about it's a bunch of it's it's a bunch of equations and math and stuff like that. And those things come into play, like a lot of the stats, you're, a lot of the things you're talking about are quite complicated to derive uh, from, you know, technology, but they're defi- they're they're actually just counting recognizable basketball things. And doing yep. that quickly at scale is whether, I mean, what you're doing now and probably what you did for, for Austin FC or the Jazz, um, did you say that's 70% of it? In terms of the, the the analysis side, not to get not on the like the technological side, but just in sure. terms of the yeah of... yeah just for you know for folks just stipulate away there's a lot of complicated underlying technology and thank God companies like Second Spectrum and Ben Fox cleaning the glass exist to obfuscate that away for lay people like Seth and I but um, it, kind of the, the the way I explained it in my introduction with Portland um, in one of the videos we did was look, every we've been counting things in basketball as long as basketballs existed. Um, for most of that, for 90% of that time or so, we just counted the things that were easiest to count, uh, the i.e. the box score. Um, and uh, Seth talks in great detail about this in the mid-range theory. Go pick it up wherever uh, you get your books. But um, now out in, um, what's the opposite of hardcover? Paperback. That paperback. I was, saw, I was about to say soft, I was about to say softback. That's not a thing. Yeah. Um, now, now I'm paperback. Uh, but now we're like, you're going to, you're going to talk about the games from a new, you're going to use numbers to talk about the game. Everybody uses numbers to talk about the game. Let's stipulate that away. Let's just use better numbers. Like it's all we're really doing. Right. And, and when we say better, what do we mean? We mean more precise. We mean things that better define and describe what we're seeing happen on the basketball floor. And I think when, you know, certainly when you can sit down and have a conversation, you know, with the time to explain that to somebody, there's not a lot of scouts in the world who are going to get like mad at that, right? To, to go back to the old paradigm that 
people have belabored, but that, you know, you and I know that basically doesn't exist in the league anymore writ large, but that's all we're trying to do. Every broadcast, there are 30 NBA broadcasts and all 30 of them are going to use numbers. My hope is that, you know, based because of my involvement, Portland's broadcast will use numbers that are just a little more precise to describe, you know, why is Damian Lillard good? Right. You're not going to use defensive rating as an individual stat then? I, 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 Seth, I don't want to, I don't want to be morbid, but that's going on your tombstone. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, um, and you know, why is defensive rating at the, the team defensive rating? Um, why is it better than points per game? And that's like tip, tip, tip of the iceberg. That's one Oh one. And something that you and I probably do take for granted but that if we can kind of matriculate that into our audience a little bit and just start shifting the conversation to include these things and not make excuses for them. Like I, I think some broadcasts will almost, you know, maybe, maybe in other sports too, like make it, they'll, they'll show an advanced stat and then they'll kind of explain why it does or doesn't do a thing. And like, let's just make it part of the, the, kind of the normal dialogue about the game because because of things like cleaning the glass and you know nba.com obviously pushing a lot of new stuff out there um that folks do have access to these things um you know with not too much extra effort and and that's i think what we're trying to do on the broadcast as well and and to be fair i mean i think there are broadcasts that 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 just kind of do that um but you, on like the tnt broadcast like you can hear Reggie Miller and and, and Candy's Cand- Cand- Candy's Candace Parker. They just they like they don't stop to explain what it is. They just start talking about usage rate, and it's a you know and and maybe some people don't don't know exactly what that is, but in context it's pretty clear and and it's just it's just part of their vernacular now. And I think that's been you know I, obviously everything doesn't tie back to baseball, but you know the 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 amount that like. They they just sort of assume you know what like on base percentage and slugging percentage are. Now, mm-hmm. when it would have been you know, twenty years ago, it would have been you know, the triple crown stats always. Um, right. And so I think we're. I mean, I think that just naturally we're we're we're, we're getting there. I want to I want to flip this around. Um. And and I don't know if you this is this is something you've thought about or not. Um. What have you learned so far in this process that? Say you went back to run analytics for a team. Is it what have you learned in this process that you you think would apply to doing that better? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a really good question, Seth. And you know, I think the immediate thing that comes to mind is the, uh, let's call it the precision adoption trade off. Um, in that, you know, we. You know, we can, as modelers and as data scientists and as people who, who live in that world, um, can probably get distracted a little bit doing the, the p-hacking, um, which is to say, you know, spending all our time and effort making the model infinitely more precise um, to the derision of um, getting our point across. Um, and whether you're talking about a draft model or game prep or 
you know, player evaluation or player development or any of the million applications that technology and data has inside of a sporting organization, um, you, you, you need to clear a certain hurdle. You need to be obviously directionally correct and hopefully, you know, correct to, to a large kind of, you know, to a very minimal mean error, um, in, in whatever you're saying. But beyond that, the majority of your effort and time and focus energy should be on how is it getting communicated and integrated, right? Like if, if I come on in t- tonight in this broadcast and say that, um, the Spurs are 19.6 points per hundred better with Kelton Johnson on the floor than off, whether that number is 19.6, 19.6 with garbage time excluded, 19, 17.6 when you control for opponent three point shooting, you know, and blah, or you blah, could blah, just and, say about they're about twenty points per hundred better because because the the, yeah. the story is is that yeah. Kelton Johnson's been the the bright point for the Spurs this season. Yeah. He's, he's shooting really well. He's you know, on high usage. Like they, it's they've been really good when he's on the floor versus really bad when he's off. Um, and that's the point. Um, and whether it's 19.6 or 17.6 or 20.6 or what is all the fancy math underneath that number uh, kind of doesn't matter. Um, so long as, obviously, if you're talking about internally to an organization, you trust that the people putting that number together have the right process. You know, you trust that their their underlying process is good and sound. And it's a little bit of the trust I have to, you know, develop with the Trailblazers audience, um, you know, develop a, you know, a trust that I know what I'm talking about, which um, insert self-deprecating joke. No, here, I, but... I was about I was about to say, well, we've known each other for about seven years, and you're still working on that with me now. But I, but I won't say that because that's mean, um, and it's not true anyway. Um, but but the but the the dynamics the same. Yeah. Right. It, it's it's a little bit of why in other contexts and conversations I said, you know, I think probably the most important job in analytics in an NBA front office today is the web developer because that's the person who is manifesting that communication from a technological standpoint. That's a, a different kind of tangent that we don't have to go down, but is in some ways, does this, is, is this, would this make you more comfortable speaking more imprecisely in terms of saying, instead of saying they're night, they're 17.6 points, you know, controlled for blah, blah, blah. Hey, even controlling for this, they're really a lot better. Or just, you know, being more descriptive, qualitative, backed up by kind of the empirical research, but just, just you, you think that, that you'll, you will feel more comfortable being almost more conversational about that. And well, do, you think that would, do you think that would then be useful or helpful, or is that almost too casual? As I well, talk I think... myself in circles. <laughs> No, the conversational point, I think, is exactly the point, because when when I am on a broadcast, I am I'm talking to Kevin and Lamar and I'm talking to the Portland fans and, you know, whoever else is tuned into League Pass. And so being conversational is 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 the table stakes. Um, You know, I have found times of myself where I am so focused on saying the right words that I lose, you know, the message and and the the tone at which I'm trying to get it across. And to make that parlay naturally in with the rest of the broadcast and, and be conversational with Kevin Lamar and Brooke and um, Neil and Francis. So 
that's that's the challenge that that I've had because I, I think the combination of that Seth is too just being a little further along in my career now and I think when you're early on in your career you know my first year or two in a front office and you know if I'm talking to a general manager or a scout or a coach or, or someone I feel like I've got to say all those things to prove I know hey don't worry I'm controlling for this 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 and this and I, you know, I did a bunch of fancy math and linear regression um, I got to say all those things so they know I'm legit and you know as you just I think is a natural part of anybody's professional career as you as you progress in a profession you know that you know what you're talking about and so you don't need to to justify it with every sentence as well sure uh you you've talked a lot about the conversation with the other people on the broadcast um i'm interested in sort of the 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 off air i imagine that there's a fair amount of of education whether like here's what here here's a here's a note about what this means or just kind of in conversation kind of uh you know some degree of education going on. Um, has it reached the point where they're starting to ask you kind of, hey, how would you, you know, if, if we wanted to talk more about topic X, would, is that something that you, you could come up with like a stat for? Have you got to that point yet? And do you have any examples of, of that? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think almost as a forcing function when you, because Portland, if I'm if I'm speaking about this as a, almost a third party for a second, but because Portland has this person in all of their, you know, their broadcast meetings, you know, that happen earlier in the day, and on the headset with, you know, everybody's on the headset, right? So the producer, obviously the talent can't hear us talking while they're on air, but um, at breaks, I can, you know, we can talk with the uh, the broadcasters as well, the graphics folks, the producers, right? You know, we're all kind of talk- we're all just. Like when I'm not on air, we're actually usually just kind of like, it's like hanging out, watching a game with your friends. We're talking about the plays. Um, and I, I think almost by osmosis, because I'm going to always be talking about the game in this context, in from this perspective of there, you know, I don't quote turnovers per game. I quote turnover rate, right? And I don't quote points allowed. I quote defensive rating and I don't quote points in the paint ever because the paint is very big and there's different areas that are good and bad in the paint, right? Like, and so I think almost by osmosis um, and by forcing everybody to have a cleaning the glass subscription <laughs> too, you know, we've pivoted. And I think if, if folks listen closely to Kevin and Lamar, even when I'm not on, you'll start hearing them talk about things like percentage, like, you know, 30% of their shots at the rim or 50% of their shots at the rim, which Portland was at earlier this year. They were one of the highest numbers in that space as opposed to points in the paint, right? Because where they choose to get their shots from is a little more precise about their play style. Um, and so I think it's kind of happened. I don't want to say subconsciously because there's a lot of work that goes on by everybody, but, and this is, this is a really good analog for a coaching scenario. Like when you, when you put that person in the room, you, you enable that the dialogue to, to kind of flow through in that manner, if that makes sense. And this was always my point, you know, I think coaching staffs in the NBA by and large now seem to have, you know, a person who's well versed in the available data. Um, Say about two thirds at this point, two thirds. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, 
and the, the really important thing is, is just to put them in the room so that when a question comes up, they know the universe of second spectrum and cleaning the glass and play by play and tracking and markings files and tracking all the, all this underlying machinery that powers all this stuff. And then you say, Oh yeah, we can answer that. Like, you know, Hey, maybe it won't definitively define our strategy as a team, but we can put a number to that question of, well, you know, how often does Damian Lillard get to the rim against switch coverages with a, with a, you know, in a one five pick and roll, right? That, that's a, that's a very traditional coaching scouting evaluation question that now you can put a number to, but if you don't have someone in the room who knows second spectrum inside and out, there's no one in the room to know that you can put a number to it. And that's why that's so important on the coaching side. And I think uh, the same dynamic has manifested on the broadcast side for us early on this season. I mean, I, I would imagine that obviously, you know, Kevin Clapper is a legend. I, yes. I, I grew up in, I grew up in, in Alaska and, and when I was in, in high school, he was the, he was the local voice of the, of the, uh, the Sonics, uh, RIP the Sonics, bring them back soon. Um, and, and so, but the, the point being is he's doing this a long time. So he, he obviously, I, I, I think probably has some fairly strong ideas in, in terms of how he views basketball. Um, so I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, again, sort of wondering if, if that's, if, if you've just, have there been situations where you've, you've given him better tools to talk about things he already thinks and knows? It's, I, I'm worried you're reading my text messages now, Seth, because he texted me I forget if it was this morning or yesterday evening about a specific metric that he was looking at on basketball reference and, you know, who wouldn't default basketball references there kind of go to. And I kind of explained to him, you know, how I would look at the same concept, uh, but I would pivot it a little bit and gave him a metric from cleaning the glass that I thought was a little more precise in describing the, the basketball thing we were talking about. Um, and you know, all my job is there is not to correct somebody or, or tell them they're looking at the wrong metric, but just say, Hey, you know, when you look at it that way, it's kind of diluted with some other noise in, in that. Part. Uh, but when you look at it this way, it's a little more precise in describing the basketball action that we're talking about in this case. And so, you know, I think what's been what I've been, you know, really lucky to to have experienced so far with the Portland group is, you know, mainly because this was their, you know, frankly it was their idea. And so, you know, there's a lot of openness and reception to looking at things this way, whether it's a, you know, broadcasters Kevin and Lamar and Brooke Olsendam or it's the producers or the graphics folks or or um the directors or whoever it is, that there there's a real openness and reception to okay, well, this is a better number, and we've got Corey, and if someone needs to explain why, Corey can come on and explain why. So you can you can choose to not answer this, but I, I'm not going to phrase this out. I don't think this is a negative. Has there been, like, an argument about, like, I don't think that's actually how it works. Like, there's there's some sort of statistical thing that, that you think. Maybe it's a, you know, two-for-one or, or, or something like that, where there's, you know, the, there are sort of schools of thought has there have there been like disagreements like that? Um, and by the way, I, healthy disagreements. I think I yeah, think a lot no, of these topics sure. are are you know there isn't a right answer. There are there are wrong answers, but there isn't a right answer to a, 
to the most interesting questions. Yeah, you know, I think that I think there's a lot of things that we can, you know, when I say we, I mean, people who are kind of looking at this from a quantitative perspective probably tend to be a little more convicted in their conclusions because they have a quantitative thing to back it up with. Uh, that might not be a bad thing either. Um, I think what it does is it takes us out of looking at all the other context of it sometimes. Um, and, uh, you know, Coach Phillips has had his uh, couple of his challenges. Um, one one worked out really well towards the end of a game. It was a illegal screen um, that got overturned. I think it was an illegal screen that got overturned that basically helped them win uh, one of their early games. Um, and you know, in a vacuum, challenges are something that quantitatively I, I'm pretty opinionated on how they should and shouldn't be used. But you know, also also true is you know. A challenge wins you a game at the end of a game, even if it's used not in that exact manner. And both those things can can exist in the same space-time continuum a little bit, right? Um, and so I think there's there's a trade-off of, especially when you're talking on a broadcast of, you know, relative to exactly what's going on at that time versus the what the theoretical academic paper conclusion might be even if it's different is this did, I do, a good, did I do a good enough job talking yeah. around your question no I think I mean it's a long-winded way of saying vibes matter too yeah vibes vibes absolutely matter uh and I think on broadcast they matter a hell of a lot more than they do if you're you know an analyst on a coaching staff no I mean I, I mean it's you know we on you know on Nerder she wrote we talk about vibes incessantly and and you know despite being you know being a show that's pretty grounded in 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 x's and o's and 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 metrics uh but but it but recognizing that like like almost okay if if people aren't doing these things together or in this like certain spirit none of that shit matters yeah i mean look portland is nine and four with a plus 0.9 net rating so far this season so that's 2.1 more wins than their net rating would imply right that's, but the vibes are really, really good around the club right now as well, right? And both those things can be true in the same time and space. I won't, uh, I won't ask you about, this is, this is the, the outside speculation is which way does the causality flow? Um, <laughs> do, 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 do the winds lead to the vibes or do the vibes lead to the winds? And it's frankly, it's most, as with many things like this, it's most likely some of both. I've, I've, I've assured everybody that I've talked to you know, inside and, you know, publicly around the organization that um, it is very um, easy to just make all of your game winning buzzer beaters. Like you, you just choose to make those and they all go in. And so that's, that's so 30% shot. You can make that every time. Yeah. You just yeah. continue to do that all the time. Um, and so that's, uh, what was it? Uh, the, uh, the uh, Miami Dolphins head coach, you know, just, I just politely asked him to stop, asked Justin Fields to, stop scrambling so much. Um, you know, that's people don't think about those strategies. So, but yeah, you know, the, the vibes definitely, uh, the vibes matter and, and we want to keep the, uh, you know, uh, uh, certainly as far as Portland's concerned, keep the good times going. So, uh, last question. And then, and then 
I know you've got you've got some some last some pregame prep to to finish tonight. Um, the 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 never there's one of those things that that's something you go round and round on. Uh, the Damian Lillard shot to beat the Thunder in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Good shot or bad shot? I mean, I'm it went in. So, but no, yeah, but how, so, but yeah. how would you? But how would you? How would you even? How would you go about eva- How would you go about evaluating it? And how would you go about describing? You know, we because you know, getting good shots is so fundamental to who wins a basketball game or who wins not just not necessarily who wins a game because shot making kind of dominates in in a single game, but over who wins over many basketball games. And, um, and it's all that to me, that's, it, it's almost, you know, being very noteworthy as it was, uh, it's almost the perfect shot to discuss the factors that go into what is and is not a good shot. No, it, it absolutely is. And it, it's a little bit of the, um, the dynamic of, I actually talked about this on the, the Jack Ramsey's podcast, one of the, the local Portland productions of, you know, I certainly had a lot of this when I was in Utah of things got down to crunch time and it was, you know, Donovan Mitchell versus whoever you want to throw at him. And let's see who's got the better guy, right? Like a lot, a lot of crunch time, which was, which was very antithetical to Quinn Snyder's typical offense, which was very European, very flowy, very blender, blender esque. Right. And I think there's a more macro general question there of, of what is the human psychology that leads us to kind of the, mono mono style of late game situations, um, which I wouldn't be half surprised if you, you hadn't written an article about something like this, because it seems like something you would write an article about. But um, and, and whether it's, you know, loss aversion or risk aversion, because it's hard to turn it over when you dribble and take a shot um, and, and other things like that. But yeah, so if you're, I think what I would do for that, to answer your question about the Lillard shot over OKC would almost be to not make it about the Lillard shot over OKC because we already know the outcome of it. And it's going to be a little, you know, if you say it's a bad shot or was a bad decision or a bad opportunity, you know, then you, you look like reductionist a little bit. Um, or like a poor loser. If Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. Yeah. If you, yeah. But um, juxtapose that with what Damien has done twice this season and has drawn and kicked um, once to Josh Hart, once to Anthony Simons, both hit game winners or what were essentially game winners um, as well. And so what that tells whether whether he learned from that, I, I you know, I can't draw the causal relationship, obviously, but, you know, there, there's clearly also an understanding there of, you know, there's more than just 1v1 at the end of a game, uh, which has been kind of cool to see with this trailblazers team. Well, that, that was artfully dodged. And, uh, I will, uh, I will, I will let you go without subjecting you to uh, further cross-examination. Uh, before, before we go, just remind people where they can, uh, they can, they can see and hear your, uh, your, I mean, I don't want to, it's it, it, probably going too far, but not that much too far to say groundbreaking. Uh, um, you know, appearances on, on NBA broadcast. Well, uh, I appreciate that. Um, I, I don't know that we're breaking any ground, but uh, 
you know, we, well, if you, it's all about communication and you're communicating in, in new ways to new audiences, I think almost by definition it is. So don't sell yourself break, short. Break a, break a few eggs to make an omelet. Um, obviously, uh, all the Trailblazers game on, on league, pa- league pass. And honestly, more than that, you're treated to Kevin Calabro, who is, uh, who is, who is a, a treat to, uh, to listen to. Um, I would say uh, I try to post some stuff on Twitter, but maybe, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, TBD, I guess. Um, Mastodon soon. <laughs> Mastodon, Instagram, uh, who knows? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll spin my MySpace page back up. Well, I mean, it seems like as good a spot to, to, to stop as any. Uh, Corey, thanks for joining me on short notice. I, uh, I appreciate it. Um, um you know, really happy for, for you and, and hope you're having fun doing, doing, doing the thing. Thanks, Seth. Appreciate it, bud. All right. Thanks folks for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with uh, Mike Prada to talk about both his new book, which is fantastic. And also um, his favorite team, the very surprising Washington Wizards. Uh, talk to y'all then. Thanks.